We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. It is the day before game day, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, episode 493. I am Jason Perrone, along with my every other Saturday co-host, Paul Brettel. Paul, happy belated Thanksgiving. I trust you had a nice holiday. Yeah, I did. Uh, I got to spend time with family, as always, and it was great, and I hope uh, you you were able to do the same. I was, absolutely. Yep. Always, always appreciate a good holiday with friends and family and uh, a long, long weekend as well to kind of decompress a little bit before the other holiday approach. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, congratulations. Uh, I know you and your lovely wife found your Christmas tree today. So that is a big, yes, we did. that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. We'll be putting it up once we're done here. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's get to it then. We, as we do the day before the game, have the injury update. As we look Towards this game, the Packers are going to be traveling to New York. They're going to be going east this time, which might be a good thing since the last couple of West Coast (laughs) trips have not turned out too well. But they're going to be traveling east to play the Giants. This has also not been a place that the Packers have had a ton of success going to and playing in recent attempts. And... It's it's one that Green Bay really needs. They they need a bounce back here. You know, Sunday this past Sunday against the 49ers was a tough showing. They got they got behind early and it just seems to kind of be the story with the Packers this season is they they're a team that really they need to kind of stay in it. They they let themselves get kind of 
punched in the mouth and down and out against a really good 49ers team who was relentless on defense. Give credit to the 49ers for their game plan. Uh, they, you know, they did well, but the, you know, the, if you look at the rest of the schedule, starting with this game against the Giants, the Packers have an opportunity. I don't want to use the term easy schedule, but the Packers have an opportunity uh, to win some games, get right, get back on track, and really set themselves up nicely for what I hope is playoff football. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, with the Bears win yesterday, they're back to 500, but their only opponent remaining that's over 500 is the Vikings. You know, they got the Giants, Redskins, and Lions who are all really struggling. And, of course, the Bears, are. it's always going to be a tough game regardless of what either's team record is. Uh, but this this is a get-right game for the Packers, a perfect opportunity for the defense to get back on track. The Giants aren't an offense that are going to um, come up with a lot of big plays, and that's been a bugaboo for the Packers' defense. And as we'll get into, they're also missing some key players. And Daniel Jones, he turns the ball over quite a bit, and that was something early on that this defense in the season was able to feast on. But having as, as of late, and then offensively, hopefully we see – a heavy dose of Aaron Jones. Once again, they got away from him, which is kind of baffling once again. But So this is, the for me, a textbook mission of a get-right. On all facets, they should be firing. So, Paul, you've done some, as you usually do, some good recap, good work over at Dairyland Express. And for those of you who don't follow Paul or follow Dairyland Express, please do and check out his great work over there. I know that one of my other podcast partners, Jake Westendorf, has recently started doing some writing for you guys again. Uh, or as well, which is which is great. But and you, you know, you do a good job of looking at the game. You know, your tweets are good, and I think you do a good job of kind of analyzing what you see. So I know we're going to talk about the injuries, and that's the the point of the show. But I wanted to ask you. You know, I've been asking as as many of my colleagues with the more trained eyes I can. Did the Packers get away from running the ball? Do you think that they had an opportunity to keep feeding Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, or did San Francisco just absolutely blow? that whole thing up, and then in, in moving forward, are you concerned at all that they're not going to feed the running backs, especially in the passing game? Yeah, and the other part that was kind of odd to me is at the end of the game, I'm not sure why, but in the passing game there was more Jamal Williams than Aaron Jones. You know, in the running game at the end of the game, and not to knock Jamal, but you know, he's Aaron Jones is just a more dynamic player, and why they – got away from him more that was kind of a confusing part for me as well but it was during the Chiefs game I think Aaron Jones had you know the eight receptions nine receptions for 159 yards the last three games he's got four receptions you know and I think part of that's with Devontae coming back that's kind of lined up as well but there's just uh there's just been a disconnect and I pulled up some numbers for an article that I had written earlier today about how he's obviously Jones is featured much more in the offense than he was under McCarthy, but there's still times. I mean, there's only two games out of the 11, 15 rushing attempts. There's five games out of the 11 where he has four or less targets this season. I understand, you know, he's been injured each of the last two years. You don't want to run him into the ground, but it's getting to that time. It's playoff football, you know, and they need to make their playoff push. You know, he's been the most dynamic offensive player this season, and I just want to see them feed the ball more to him. And credit to the Niners. They did a fantastic job of taking everything away. But it just, it felt, and I've heard other people say this as well, Sunday's game felt very Mike McCarthy-like. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers dropped back and make something happen. And even even if you're struggling to run the ball, you got to keep them honest. And they just, they got away from that, and LeFleur admitted that this week as well. Yeah, I'm glad to see him understand that he could have done some things differently. You know, it's, it's frustrating and hard when you look at the opportunity that Green Bay has in front of them. 
with and this is another eye roller here, but you know, with with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, still has the ability to absolutely carry the Packers offense and do something special at a position that is very premium in this NFL. You talked about the guy who's on the other side of the equation this this weekend, Daniel Jones. He's turned the ball over a ton. It I can't remember the last time that I had to worry a lot when my quarterback drops back to throw about the ball getting picked off. I mean, we're we're afforded a, a huge luxury of a quarterback that can engineer this thing. It's really frustrating when it doesn't work. The the one thing that I think a lot of us want to see and a lot of fans want to see too is finally a game where the passing game gets on track. It doesn't even matter if Devontae Adams catches 12 balls and everybody else has one, but the, the receivers get their production, they find the end zone, and the running backs are catching their balls too. Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams both have a big day on offense. That is, is going to be something that's going to become very key as you get into later season and playoff football. Your stars have to play well if you're going to win playoff games. It's just an obvious known fact and so for those two to, to put it together would be would be a huge thing. I'm just not sure why they still haven't been able to get it going with 17 back in the fold. Yeah, that is a that is a really good question and one that I'm not a 100% certain on as well. And I think part of it last week, just the Niners, you know, is Matt LaFleur systems very much from the Shanahan line of coaching. And so it was a little bit of, you know, the math and the, the apprentice type of matchup and the master definitely came away with the win but like I said this is a great opportunity for Green Bay to put it together and I guess this depends on whether you're a glass half full person or half empty but we're 11 games in and the Packers haven't put it all together yet for 60 minutes and they're eight and three so for me I'm more of a half glass half full I think it's a positive but also we're 11 games in and they still haven't put together a full 60 minutes of football yeah, well, if they want to clunk their way to a championship, I'm perfectly okay with that. I, I'm okay with being the first team to X, Y, Z and still win a Super Bowl. If that's the if that's the identity of this year's Packers, then so mm-hmm. be it and go for it. I, I think a lot of that, though, has to do with the a first-year head coach and, and players that are learning a new offense, and for them to still be winning games like they are, like you said, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, and I just wanted to add one more thing because you could ask about Devontae since he has returned to Lafleur. I think it was this week when he said it. He said that they are they are too reliant on Adams in the offense. So he is aware. Uh, he knows it. So now, you know, that's step one. Step two is the correction. What are they going to do to adjust that? And as I mentioned, you know, when Adams was gone, Jones was the number one receiver on this offense in the passing. And now he's got, like I said, three or four targets over the last three games. So they just got to they got to find the balance between the two. But you know, this team, believe it or not, is better with Devontae Adams on the field. <laughs> yeah, they obviously are. He's a player that you don't want to you don't want to take off in his skill set in order to beat defenses. And let's not be let's not be with some of the narratives and all those kinds of. I, I just want to see it get put together. And this this week's an opportunity for the Packers to do that. And transitioning ourselves to the injury side of things, you know, the Giants have. They had five starters, five you know regular players who had not practiced this week, and all five of them were ruled out today. So starting on the defensive side of the ball, safety Jarrell Peppers will not play for the Giants, so that takes a member of their secondary out of the fold. The Giants don't have a great secondary to begin with, and you're facing a very good quarterback. I think you might have heard of him, Paul. His name is Aaron Charles Rodgers, and he, uh, he leads the Green Bay Packers offense into New York. This 
this could be a, a one of the, you know, I, you play the team that's in front of you, so I'm not going to make any excuses or I'm not going to apologize that the Packers drew the Giants at this point. But listen, any kind of production that you can get or confidence in your rhythm, go for it. This could be a game where, you know, finally Jay Sternberger catches a couple balls, gets his feet under him. You get Jimmy Graham going, you get Devontae going, you get the running backs going, and you, you see what it looks like. And that could be a huge springboard to some of to you know fixing some of the stuff that we were just talking about before. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Jabril Peppers has played ninety five percent of New York's defensive snaps this season, so obviously that's a huge loss, and it's going to give the Packers and hopefully their the receivers not named Adams. You know, I'm looking at you, MBS and Gmo, uh, an opportunity to produce and also. I wrote about this earlier in the week. I'm hoping that we start seeing more opportunities for Lazard and Kumro in the offense as well because, you know, Allison just hasn't had it. But this is going to be what I think a heavy run game for the Packers. You know, after their two losses to Philly, Aaron Jones had 19 attempts for 107 yards on the ground against Dallas the following week. And then after their loss to the Chargers, 13 attempts, 93. So Lafleur goes back to Jones after each of the losses, and also the weather is going to be pretty poor. You know, fortunately in Green Bay, we didn't get any of the snow, but about an hour north of here saw six inches, about an hour north of there saw a foot, and so it's not going to be that bad this Sunday, but there's supposed to be a mix of rain and snow, so I'm expecting a lot of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and Packers controlling the well, come out pissed then. Come out pissed and produce and do what you do after a, a bad loss and make it a make it a good victory because, you know, they've got three games here against teams that are very beatable. You know, I don't want to mm-hmm. look too far ahead, but you've got the Giants this week. Come back home uh, for the Washington, you know, the Washington football team. That's the – that's the and then, and then the week after that, you've got the final home game of the season against the Chicago Bears. They drew the Bears at home late this season. They won the away game earlier this year. So that really set them up nicely. They avoided that terrible Soldier Field turf late in the season. You know, God only knows what that would have done to the injury report. That might have made for a very long show for you and I <laughs> had yeah, the right. Packers had, had to play late in the season. But, you know, like you said, set yourself up well and take advantage of those matchups. The, the secondary for, for New York has, has been struggling this season. Now they, now they lose their quarterback back there. They lose their stud. You know, you would like to think it's going to be a lot of opportunities for the Packers, but we've also seen them – kind of, you know, stumble over themselves a little bit. And, and listen, I don't care how they do. At this point of the season, you know, like like I said earlier, I don't care if they want to clunk their way through the playoffs and win a championship. You just win games. At this point, I mean, the NFL has changed so much, and so many games now don't look like the beautiful, pretty masterpieces that we're used to seeing. I and mean, I think about the, the 49ers and a couple of their Super Bowl wins back in the 80s and 90s where they boat raced their opponent. You know, the Bears taking out the Patriots in 85. Those types of things don't necessarily always play out teams are very much in tune with one another the analytics are there there's a lot of uh, prep and a lot of work that goes into these games and it's rare that you're going to see a game like we saw this past Sunday night now I don't mind the Packers being on the other side of it it does not feel good for them to be on the bad side but you know that's that's something that I think they're going to have to take advantage of and to, to try to get this offense going on so as far as the defense goes uh Jabril Pepper's safety is out uh, more on the special team side, the long snapper, Zach Dossie, uh is not going to play this week. They signed a guy off the street. He's going to long snap. I am not about to, you know, spend a ton of time on the long snapper. I couldn't even, <laughs> didn't even know who Zach Diossi was before we did the show, Paul. So I don't know if you have anything else to add there. I mean, it does matter when you talk about the mechanics in the kicking game and the fact that the, uh, you know, there were a couple of uh, extra points missed yesterday on Thanksgiving Day. 
So you never know. Those single points could sometimes come back to bite a team in the end. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the the rhythm between the long snapper, the holder, and the kicker on a field, on a field goal attempt or extra point, you know, it's important. And yeah, like you said, it could end up being a factor on a missed field goal or mixed extra point on a bad snap or anything like that. So definitely a possibility to end up playing a significant factor in the game. Yeah, and until we know that it's going to be – I'm not exactly sure that it's that it's going to be a significant one, but that that is one that the Giants are dealing with. So uh, Zach Dossie is out on the offensive side of the ball. We talk about opportunities on defense against the New York secondary. One thing that the Packers defense has struggled with is the middle of the field and covering tight ends. Two tight ends are out for the Giants. Both Evan Ingram and Rhett Ellison have already been ruled out. This Paul seems almost too good to. Be. Because it lets it's it's going to let the Packers focus on what they do well, and it's going to take away what they don't do well before they even step foot on the field on Sunday. I have to wonder if this means the secondary can maybe get a little bit more opportunistic and aggressive, and we don't see one of those games where the Packers get multiple turnovers. Yeah, this was a nice nice thing to have, especially after a George Kittle game. Uh, Evan Ingram has 68 targets this season, nearly 500 yards for the Giants, so he's a focal part, focal point of their offense. And we can't forget that Saquon Barkley's in the backfield, so missing those weapons in the middle of the field, you know, might allow him to cheat a little bit more in the run game and slow down Barkley that way, and have that be more of their focus than necessarily. Ingram and Red Ellison um, in the middle of the field. And also they're going to have a lot of opportunities for takeaways, which I mentioned was a big part of their success early, but hasn't happened. Daniel Jones has, well, let me see here. He's got 10 fumbles losses. That's incredible. (laughs) That's that baffled me when I looked it up. And in the last five games, he has at least one, not fumbles. These are fumbles lost. So the other teams are covered. So I didn't expect him per usual big day from the Smiths to either force a turnover that the sec, you know, force them into a, a decision that's going to lead to a turnover or even coming away with a fumble. Yeah. They call him Danny dives. And I guess that has to do with when he actually does get the pass off. I don't know if he's going to drop any in this particular game, but <laughs> you know what? I mean, one guy that I've been looking forward to seeing have a big game and he's had a couple of sneaky good games, but maybe making a big impact player, a splash play. And this is a, a guy that actually showed up, um, on the injury report this week, it does look like he will play on the Packers side of things, and that's Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage had a back injury. He is not listed as questionable, so it looks like he is going to go on Sunday. But you get a player like that now. Like I said, you get Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, and you tell him, look, listen, we have a favorable matchup here against their receivers. Uh, you know, We'll get to this in a moment, but the, Packers, the Giants are also going to be without wide receiver Golden Tate this weekend. So it's a... It's looking like a mash unit for the Giants. And I don't know who is left besides Saquon Barkley to, to carry or catch the football, but it's going to be tough sledding without those guys. But maybe you get an opportunity for some of these rookies. Like I said, you get these rookies to make a couple of splash plays. Confidence is a real thing. You know, this could be one of those things where they have a big game and it, and it parlays into some late season success. And who knows? It may actually help carry them into the playoffs and give them a little bit more of an edge and, and allow them to be more productive when you get to January football. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. And I mentioned earlier, a get right game. That's not just with the production numbers that we see on the field, but also mentally, you know, if Savage, Savage 
He's so fun to watch. He's running all over the field, 110%. You know, he's made a few of those rookie mistakes where his, his aggressiveness or taking a poor angle has gotten the best of him. But this is a great opportunity for him to get to make that splash play as well as for the rest of the secondary. You know, Jair's had a couple interceptions go off his hands. It would be nice to see him come away with one as well. Yeah, it, Jair, you know, it, it's it's funny in this day and age now, a lot of us want to look at the numbers and it's kind of the sexy thing for us to have. You know, you've had numbers, I have numbers, everyone wants statistics. Mm-hmm. We all want percentages and all that kind of stuff, but there's a lot of things that players do in a football and football more so than a lot of other sports. There's, there's guys that have great games and they don't even show up in the stat sheet, but because there's 11 guys mm-hmm. on the field, you, you have to really dig and look to see what they did. A lot of times I'm talking about offensive linemen, defensive linemen in a basketball game. There's only five guys. You can see what's going on, and they're usually right in front of you, and you know what's happening, and everyone touches the ball. Football is such a a very choreographed sport that if the offensive line isn't blocking in tandem and in sync with the play call and the snap and the cadence and all that other stuff, everything is going to get thrown off. But all we see is, oh, so-and-so whiffed a block. Well, there could have been three or four other factors that led to mm-hmm. so I, I think it's I think it's important to look at what Jair and Darnell Savage have done. They both have had good seasons. Jair's had a couple struggles uh, recently, but he's still playing well, and he's also not being targeted a lot by opposing quarterbacks. So you can't fault him for being a less desirable option as he's covering some of these really good wide receivers. And, you know, again, it's year two. He's, he's still got room to grow. I absolutely want to see these two guys kind of jump in and, and make a big play. I would love, you know, I was at the Carolina game. It was so frustrating to see Jair drop that pick, if only for himself. I think the Packers survived it and they were okay. You know, I, I still felt like Green Bay had a good chance to close that game out, and they did. But for, you know, selfishly for him, what a huge boost. You get a big pick mm-hmm. to seal the game at the end, and if he takes it to the house, you know, those are the types of things that you can point to and say that was when he broke out. And from that point forward, he was always a pro bowler. He was always an all-pro. Yeah, absolutely. The mental side's a huge part of it, but also moving forward, plays like that, whether it's Jair or whoever, those plays need to be made. You know, fortunately, they were able to stop Carolina at the goal line, but if this is the playoffs or, you know, a couple weeks from now against the Vikings or against San Francisco again, you need to capitalize on those on those opportunities because you're not going to get too many of them. Yeah, no, that that's true. And I think the I think the Packers have found ways to rely on a lot of different areas of their defense to to get that production. So the pass rush has been doing well, the Smith brothers. And, you know, so I, I like that they're not putting a ton of pressure on the secondary. And, look, you have to – it was kind of like in 2011. If they didn't get two or three interceptions, they had a – they had a you know, right. they, gave up, they gave up a ton. I mean, they won 15 games. It wasn't like they struggled. But, if they, but they did it – a lot of the reason why they did was because they got so many turnovers. They were able to force turnovers. You don't have to do that necessarily with this defense. You take some of the pressure off these young guys – and help them learn, and they're still winning along the way. You know, you've got a couple of weeks here where I think these guys, like I said, these guys could really get some some good opportunities. Golden Tate not going to play. As a longtime Packer fan and as somebody who watched the 2012 game against the Seattle Seahawks, Oof. I am not at all upset <laughs> that, that Golden Tate is not playing in this game. He he absolutely drives me nuts, and I will never forgive him for taking a picture with some referee that was called in to replacement ref <laughs> that game. I'm not even going to say his name posting it on social media, flaunting it in front of our faces, I I, I could care less. I, I'm glad he's not playing, and as, as far as I'm concerned, he can take the day off and just stay home. Don't even come to the stadium, Golden Tate. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. And 
You know, luckily we didn't have any of those issues when he was in Detroit, but he still made a ton of plays there. And this season for the Giants, he was suspended for the first part of it, but since returning, he's got nearly 500 yards, 13 yards per catch. Like Evan Ingram, he's a big part of this passing game. So I think, like you said previously, it's going to be Saquon Barkley on the ground, and I think a lot of Saquon Barkley in the passing game as well for him. Well, so when I was in the Twin Cities area, Three years ago when they played their first season at U.S. Bank Stadium, I had a chance. The hotel that I work at hosted the Lions when they came to play the Vikings, and I had a chance to go to that game. And it was Mm -hmm. kind of fun to be at a game where I didn't have to care about the result. But Golden Tate actually had the game-winning touchdown late in the game. He kind of like somersaulted over uh, Xavier Rhodes. I don't know if you remember Mm -hmm. that. And it was was, uh, Detroit beating Minnesota, which – at that point, I think was one of their first losses of the season. They hadn't lost very many games, or they, you know, not, and, and then Green Bay kind of went on their run. So that was like that was like a little bit of um, I don't know karma, a little payback, a little Golden Tate giving me one back there, <laughs> saying, "Okay, hey, I'll go beat the I'll go beat the Vikings for you." Anytime you beat the Minnesota Vikings, it's not a bad day. So, but Golden Tate's not going to have a chance to beat anybody on Sunday. He will not be on the field. So. To recap for the Giants, no Evan Ingram, no Rhett Ellison, no Golden Tate, no Jabril Peppers, and no Zach DeAussi. On the Packers side of things, Paul, one of my biggest concerns going into the Niners game was they're a great defense, they're very physical. The Packers have been extremely blessed so far this that's me knocking on wood, to stay healthy. But mm-hmm. my concern was this is the type of game against San Francisco where I could see a couple guys getting hurt and getting banged up. It's a physical game. They're going to want to win this thing. They're going to do everything they can. You you know, maybe you make an extra hard block. Maybe you lay out for that ball instead of, like, short-arming it. Some of those things that can lead to injury. The Packers actually escaped that game relatively unscathed. There were a couple guys that, that did leave. Brian Bulaga being probably the biggest name who did leave and did not return. Uh, to that game. He had a knee issue. It wasn't known what the severity was. We learned earlier this week that it was a sprained MCL, which is mm-hmm. still a big deal. It's still a, it's still a big deal injury. But lo and behold, here we are on, I believe they practiced yesterday, or, or maybe it was Wednesday, and Brian Bulaga limited practices in limited fashion. I don't know what else I can say about this guy to heap praise on him and his, his desire to be out there. It's just... It's incredible. Now, he's listed as questionable, so we still don't know if he's going to play this week. But the fact that he's even practicing, just it's got to be encouraging for a team that needs to bounce back and needs all their horses up front, and he just keeps getting up after getting knocked down like this. Yeah, he's a warrior, and I know injuries have been a part of his career, but you know he's, he's not choosing that, and he does whatever he can to stay on the field. Um, I think looking at it right now, Austin Hooper, the tight end for – the Atlanta Falcons, he has a torn MCL, and he's projected to be out four or five weeks. Last season, Brian Bulaga tore his MCL, and he missed two games. And keep in mind, this was in December. They were out of playoff contention. He and Bakhtiari as well, they do whatever they can to get on the field. They know how important they are to keeping Aaron Rodgers upright. And if he's out there, they want to do everything in their capacity to be out there. Now, with that said, my guess just a gut feeling I don't think he's going to play on Sunday uh I think especially with those field conditions you know it's already you know MetLife Stadium's already questionable and now the weather is supposed to be really poor uh my guess is he's out Billy Turner's going to slide over to right tackle which if Blog is going to be out this is a good opponent for him to be out against and also give us a little insight into what can Billy Turner do at right tackle 
Interesting. And this was another thing that was talked about a lot because when Bulaga went out last week, it was Alex Light that came in at right tackle. Billy Turner stayed at right guard. Now we hear that Billy Turner may slide out to right tackle, which, and then I would assume Lucas Patrick would then uh, shoot at uh, right guard. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they do that on Sunday? You know, that's a really good question. I think, and I, <laughs> I don't really have much of an answer for you. Maybe it was just to kind of keep the rhythm of Turner at right guard. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% positive on that one. It's a great question. And I don't either. I, I was, I definitely wasn't, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. I was literally asking because I don't either. I don't, I don't know either. And honestly, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was, I didn't think Alex Light played horribly. Listen, the, the 49ers front is going to make a lot of really right. good players look bad. And I don't want to make excuses for the Packers. I mean, they had issues. Uh, one of the issues too that they had that was really frustrating me was Corey Lindsley snapping the ball at Aaron Rodgers' ankles. Oh, gosh. Every and if time. you're going to snap the ball low to get a leg up or get a step on your on your man across from you, okay, I understand that. But if you're going to whiff the block anyway, then you might as well just make a good snap. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the offensive line had their struggles cut out for them anyway. But, you know, look, I didn't think Alex Light played too poorly. Make a decision, though, and be decisive. Have a plan in place. I heard a lot of speculation that Billy Turner was paid like he was because – after this season, it gives the Packers the option to. Now, this was before the season started, and, and you don't know what Bulaga was going to do, if he was going to get hurt. He has been fantastic this season, so I want him back. But for those that didn't, and for, for the part of us that didn't know what this year was going to look like back in August, it was like, okay, Billy Turner could slide out to right tackle and buy you a year, and then you find a right guard, or you, you slide, you know, at the time it was Cole Madison. Cole Madison's now, his season is over. Uh, he has a, he had a torn knee uh, last week, and so his season is over. Or you you know you put Lucas Patrick in there, or insert guard, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you get by there. So I I just want the Packers to have a solid plan. I think to your point, it's a little foolish with a Giants team that really isn't that motivated and has a lot of guys out already to to push a guy who could really use an extra week's rest. This late in the season, you know, uh, an MCL tear, to be honest with you, uh, my personal thought is you can get away with giving Bulaga this week and next week off, bring him back for the Bears game when you've got Akeem Hicks potentially coming back, Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd. That makes a lot more sense to me. I'm sure you would. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that idea. And at this point, you know, we as fans shouldn't expect Bulaga to play all six. Obviously, do we want him to? Absolutely. But just with his injury history and, you know, got a number of years under his belt now, it's just probably not realistic. So if he has a minor injury, which fortunately this was, and the schedule is favorable for Green Bay, which it is coming up, as you pointed out, they should take that opportunity. Obviously, you don't want to get cocky and overlook either of these teams. It's still the NFL and anything can happen. But I think it's a great opportunity for him to get some extra rest after the bye week as well and gear him up for that final push when they really Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I'm not trying to take anybody lightly. You know, they're still pro teams, the Giants, Washington, they're both. And it's a road game. It's a road game in New York. Fortunately, Washington will be at, at Lambeau Field. But Lambeau Field late in the season, there were, when I was at that game against Carolina, the guys were slipping and sliding all over the field. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't put these guys in bubble wrap. They have to go out and play football. And it is what it is. But – you know, be smart about it and take advantage of your good fortune. And, and if Brian Bullock is able to practice right now, I think you do kind of put him in bubble wrap for at least one week, hopefully to get him back much fresher 
for that final push. So on the Packers side of things, really the only other two guys that were listed as questionable were Will Redmond and Tony Brown. Will Redmond, Tony Brown, rotational players on defense, but they are special team players. And the Packers special teams have been really struggling lately. It's been it's been really tough on the the coverage units. Uh, they they just can't seem to put together solid performance. And you know I. Every week we get reminded when they struggle that Trevor Davis was traded away and they killed the return game and all the stats and all the talk about the Packers being one of the worst punt return teams in the NFL. I don't know too many teams that are good at returning punts anymore. The the NFL is not set up to be a big punt return league at this point. But I do think when you take two guys away that are used to playing special teams and you have to put somebody else in there, you run the risk of somebody getting out of position, not being in their lane. And this is where some of those sneaky things in a game where, where you've got an opponent that might not be good in some areas, might be able to take advantage of a weakness in, in your in your area if either or both of these guys are not able to go on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with this, the way the special teams and the rules are nowadays. We don't see the same kind of dynamic returns like the Devin Hester ones, you know, and obviously he's a special player that we did 10, 15 years ago. But this special teams unit, <laughs> oh, God, especially the punt return. Minus 14 total punt return turn yards this season. If they fair caught everything, they would be better off. Minus 14, that's incredible. And now on kickoffs, you can tell that they don't have the confidence to get to the 25-yard line. Against San Francisco, Smith let, uh, you know, the ball landed at the two-yard line. He lets it go. Teams are noticing this. They're starting to kick it shorter. (laughs) They're, they're, forcing Green Bay to return and you know you you like to think of the return game as you know hopefully a weapon you know not necessarily relying on it to score but to put your offense in position and for the Packers it's a liability there's a new coach there's a number of new players and it's the same old results yeah I mean are we just not used to seeing uh the referee or the uh, the the home plate umpire back there in the end zone putting the uh, safe signal out there like we're not touching the ball uh, and it and it is unfortunate. I mean, you you've got to have the ability to at least get those yards and be smart about it. And I I see good teams that focus on special teams and that have players that are willing to get in there and make a hit, can do it cleanly without a block in the back. And you know, there's so many things that are already working against as special teamers and returners. It just seems like anytime there's a big play, you have to hold, you have to hold your applause and wait and see if there's going to be a flag thrown. And the Packers just seem to be one of those units that just cannot seem to keep clean. Sean Menenga in his first year. He's going to have a he's going to have a really interesting performance <laughs> review when this season is over. Even if the Packers are able to do something special, unless there is some weird dramatic turnaround. But it, I'm here to tell you right now, at this point of the season, we're we're pushing December. This team is what it is. These players mm-hmm. are who they are. So and so is not all of a sudden going to start to play better. So and so is not just going to magically get better. Such and such is not just going to start to change. This team is what they are. You said they still haven't played a complete game yet. That might be, like I said, that might be their identity. They don't, they don't play a complete game, and they have to just find a way to get by and hope that the other team makes a mistake and you know get a little bit of luck with your health and the schedule and all those other things and take advantage of it, all of it. But the, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, the special teams has, has been a real, real big frustra- source of frustration. And, and so if nothing else, don't let a really bad Giants team stay in this game because of that facet of the game. That's... That's the one thing that uh, that I can that I can say on special teams. Don't really have a whole lot else there other than look. Just like you said, just put Tremont back there and just tell him, look, here's the deal: you got to catch the ball unless it's you know it's going to land at the five or, or further right. back. You got to catch the ball. It's a fair catch. Don't try to return it. 
and you're done. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's what it's been. I think it was on Monday show this week, Andy pointed out that when you see th- at this part of the season, when you see a special teams unit struggling as much as Green Bay is, a lot of it's because of injuries. Obviously, if you have a lot of injuries, you don't want to put your best players in, so you have guys off the street, bottom of the 53 plan. That isn't the case for Green Bay. It's been poor since week one, and honestly, I think it's getting worse. <laughs> you know, and do you remember a couple seasons ago? I mean, this is way back in the Sean Slocum era, but what they they would put starters in on special teams to try to ignite the unit, and they still weren't good. I mean, special yeah. team they haven't been good for a really long time. They they just mm-hmm. haven't. I mean, not since you know the 2012 2013. Even when Micah Hyde was back there, he at least was sure handed, and he you know he did okay. Right. He actually took a couple to the house. You know, I, I we should we should be so blessed to see a Packers special teamer score a touchdown. I just want him to hang on to the football and not lose yards. So I think I'd pass out if I saw that. <laughs> so so we'll leave that at that and hope that the Packers uh, can survive. You know, any kind of lapses there, but hopefully they don't have any. The field conditions aren't going to be great, like you said. So you got to really protect the football. Um, the only other thing of news or of note, really not injury related, but the Packers did add a body. They they claimed offensive tackle veteran. Jared Valdir off of waivers, and he did pass his physical, and he was at practice on Friday. So I don't know whether he'll be active or not. I would assume if Brian Bulaga is not going to play this weekend that he will be active and he'll be a backup and out there just in case he is needed. This is a guy who, when he was with the Cardinals, took a picture in the weight room, and I swear, yes, I swear (laughs) to God, I thought it was Photoshopped. (laughs) <laughs> and it was the Incredible Hulk's body and this guy's head on top. He is a tank, although albeit a few years older now, because uh, he came out of retirement to play this season. So he's definitely not at the peak of his career. But this could be one of those sneaky signings that really helps get some depth to that offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great insurance policy. And in reference to that picture, back in the spring when everyone was freaking out about the DK Metcalf picture, it was kind of like that same Holy cripes, <laughs> look at this guy. But for a little reference, uh, last year, Valdir played, had a hundred, or 704 total snaps on offense, 437 of which were pass blocking, and he only allowed two sacks and 21 total pressure. So that's quarterback hits, sacks, and, you know, for what will be the third offensive tackle once Belag is healthy, it's a pretty good insurance policy that the Packers have. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm glad that they made these moves. This is one of those things that, you know, back in the day, I don't know if you, we necessarily would have seen it. You know, they, they did they did promote um, Yosh Nijman, I, th- I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, up off the practice squad uh, to take the place of Cole Madison, who was put on injured reserve. Uh, right now they have a roster exemption for Valdir, so I don't know what kind of a move they're eventually going to have to make, but I, I like it. You know, it's a veteran tackle. You bring him in just in time for the playoffs, and if nothing else, you throw him out there, and he's got enough football under his belt that he can, if nothing else, just stop the guy in front of you from getting to number 12. That's really the most important thing if you're an offensive lineman for the Packers, and it's it's hard to argue with it. And so, you know, hats off to Goot for trying to continue to fortify this roster and keep them in good shape as we get, like I said, down to the wire here. And the Packers are, are continuing to fight for prime playoff seedings, and obviously the quarterback upright is a part of that. Always. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure. That'll pretty much do it for this week as far as the injury updates. 
Paul, the next time you and I are together, we will be previewing that game at Lambeau Field against the Chicago Bears. It should be a fun one. Can't wait. Hopefully it is a lot like this week's show. It's more Giants heavy on the injury report than it is Packers, Mm -hmm. and hopefully the Packers are two wins richer. uh, Absolutely. Which would put them at 10 victories and hopefully looking for their 11th against the Chicago Bears, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I mentioned it earlier on the show. Paul does great work over at Dairyland Express. You can see the work that he and his team there by following Paul uh, on Twitter. Paul, remind me your Twitter handle. Uh, you can find me at Paul underscore Brettle, B-R-E, and we are Dairyland, letter X, P-R-E-S-S. Follow both, and you can follow me, Jason Perrone, on Twitter at, at Jason Perrone. Again, Paul, glad you had a very good Thanksgiving. Let's go get a victory, and as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.
a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.